0: We are talking about the attributes and activities of the local church as we continue on in our ecclesiology study. And we're going to be doing a little bit of review of what we did last week. We looked at some of these attributes just really briefly. Uh, We looked at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to be going back and glancing at that and seeing what all we can glean from that as we consider, again, the attributes and activities of the local church, so moving not from the universal all believers in Christ, but to the local believers in a community that make up a a local visible church or congregation. So I want to ask you guys before we get started, what qualities does a local group of believers need to possess in order to rightly be classified as a church? If I get together with two of my neighbors, can we start a church? Okay. The believers, believers in a specific geographical area. Okay, so they have era. to be believers. That's good. My, my neighbors aren't believers, so that's a, an important aspect of being a part of the church. What else? What else makes up a church? A local church. There needs to be... A... Go ahead,
1: Andy.
0: Nope. No, it's okay.
1: It does have to follow uh, you
2: know, specific um, parts of, or specific doctrine that I mean, doesn't hold to the truths of the Bible, like you say, it has to consist of belief. <coughs> so you have to have, not necessarily like a mission statement, but a, um, what do you doctrinal um, statement? Doctrinal statement.
0: That okay. So when I was six or seven, I grabbed I literally did that. I grabbed probably four or five of my neighbors, my little other six or seven-year-old uh, neighbor <laughs> friends, and we had a little Bible study in my mom's basement at her house, and we just went through. Um, I found some Bible book laying around. Was that a church? No. 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 It's, a,
2: it's a, Why not? I mean, that
3: was cute. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: a, grou- it's it's a well group honest. of believers. That believe in um, God's revealed word and there needs to be what well, we think what there should be like first Timothy says a plurality of elders uh-huh. um, and there needs to be discipling and um, preaching of gospel and <clears throat> the word um, you know, and Sacraments is the wrong word, but ordinances maybe.
0: Uh, I've been mixing those up all week, so yeah, no right. <laughs> but
2: but we but we need to practice uh, immersion baptism.
0: We need to practice the Lord's Supper. So if we practice sprinkling, it's not church. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not, this
1: local,
3: not, this not this local church. Not this local body. How's okay. that?
2: We, we, would, we would part ways with some of our brothers and sisters that believe in paedo-baptism
0: and sprinkling, right? But we recognize them as paedo, as paedo, as, as brothers and sisters, right? right? Even though they practice that right. like baptism because,
2: because when we're united around the core issues, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, it doesn't get any more core than Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected for our sins. Uh That's core, right? Once, And you go from
0: there, and there
1: there
2: are
0: logical things that follow from that, and revealed things that follow from that. So we can still recognize those people as belonging to a church that's a legitimate church. Uh, One thing that kind of bothers me is our usage of that word church, because we use it in a very generic sense. We'll speak of the uh, Mormon church, or the Catholic church, or the um, universalist. Unitarian Church. Religion. Yeah. yeah. And while they have a building and they are a religion, they practice a faith um, to rightly be called a church in the biblical sense, there are certain things that they need to uh, adhere to that they don't really make the mark on. Anything else on what makes up a local church? Looks like you were about to say something.
3: <laughs>
0: oh. No? I would
3: just think Okay. I've had a lot of friends that are different, you know, Jehovah Witness, uh, mm-hmm. Church of God, uh, Church of Christ.
0: Uh, Let's see, they even put it in their name.
3: LDS, and yeah. And some of them, I believe, were Christians, and I believe they mm-hmm. had churches. Some of them, I didn't consider them. Yeah. Churches. Uh,
0: you know. And again, like we talked about last week, we can make a distinction between the organization that calls itself a church, right? Yeah. And the individuals that are within that. Um, there can be people that are believers within a non-biblical church. However, I think that they probably won't last long in that environment that they will be drawn away by the truth of God's Word and the the Spirit of God to something more sound.
3: You know, and like I said, I don't know. I, I didn't visit their churches. But based on their Mm-hmm. What they told me and, and what they said they believe, I consider many of their churches to be local churches. Yeah, many of them, but many of them I did not consider.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another important point, especially evangelistically, that um, somebody's personal beliefs don't necessarily reflect the beliefs of an organization. Right. And while it's, it would be nice if they did. A lot of times, especially around here, because the the Latter-day Saint Church, they have released this is what we believe, and they have an official doctrine. But that doesn't mean that any guy who walks and knocks on your door with an elder badge on his shirt is going to adhere to everything they believe. So it would be beneficial for us not to take the beliefs of the church and to uh, impose them onto the individual, but to ask them, hey, this is what I've been told that your church believes. Do you adhere to this, or do you have a different understanding? So
2: i feel like that's more common now too though that people um sway from whatever doctrine within their church were, i mean as a kid growing up in the lds church like the people all the people in my community really adhered to that yeah and now as an adult i see so many of them who it's almost like the modern culture has mm-hmm. integrated into where you can have all of these variations So I think it's changed a lot in
0: 20 years. It has become much more individualistic, much more ecumenical, where they have tried to embrace other beliefs and other religions and say, well, we can all believe something different. Uh, Walker has been learning in our youth group class about post-millennialism. I'll put you on the spot, Walker. whats postmillennialism? post-millennialism. Yeah, postmodernism. post-millennialism, post-modernism? I'm like, Post- we didn't yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll learn that later on in eschatology. <laughs> post-modernism, thank you. <laughs> it's, um, it's basically when somebody has a certain view and they believe that view, but then they also say that other people can have their own view, even if their view contradicts the other person's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, yeah. So what does it say about truth? It's is it? it exist. Exist. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No like truth. No is such thing is truth. You what you believe and it would be true. to <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah. True to you. Yeah. And that has definitely um, impacted not just Mormonism, but many different faiths. Ours included. So. Yeah. yeah. yeah I actually um, spoke
2: to somebody who was an evangelist with um, the LDS books. Goes to the temple. And he said, you know, it's almost like today you have to convince modern-day LDS folks mm-hmm. of their tenets from their faith. You have to say, this is what you know, Doctor and Kevin says. This is what you know, First Presidency said. Blah 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 blah. And we're like, well, yeah, I guess I believe that because he said that. Mm-hmm. Okay, going from there, <laughs> right? Yeah. This is this is the the true gospel as revealed by Jesus Christ and His Word. And then you basically treat it like a, well, I don't know, if a, just like you have to call an atheist to, to account for their epistemology, what, they, what their foundation mm-hmm. is. You, you have to call modern day LDS folks to their basic under,
0: understanding of who God is yeah. so that you can t- tell them the true gospel. Yeah, And that's one way to do that. You can present this is what um, the people that you say you believe believe. Or you can attack their already held foundational presuppositions and say, well, truth, according to you, isn't as um, absolute as, as what Christ said, right? You can right. just go from there. But, yeah, one of two rights you can take. You
3: know, I've, I've talked to some people that have withdrawn from the LDS, and they're just turned off. And uh, they, they saw you know, discrepancies, the falsehoods, the hypocrisy within the church. But they don't want to hear about anything else. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think for me, the only thing I know to do is just, slow. I want to gain their trust, their friendship, let them know I care about them, mm-hmm. and hopefully earn the right to share the truth with them. Mm too often I start
0: and they're just like, good job, you know, I'm not going to another church. Yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah, they've been hurt and yeah. abuse is probably too strong a word, but a lot of people will uh, reflect on their experience that way. They've really entrusted this church and um, again, not just that church exclusively, but anybody else who's been caught up in a false religion or a cult um, to Go through an experience like that and to be hurt, it's going to be hard for them to put their faith or their trust in something else. But that doesn't mean that that truth doesn't exist and that we shouldn't strive to win them. Yes, I was at school and I was listening to like one of my friends, and he was talking about how he like did baptism for the dead like that morning and like baptism something for his sister because she was like going on a mission. And, And I was like, Bro, what the heck? Like, that sounds so crazy. And he's like, yeah, it's a cult. I was like, do you hear yourself? Like, He <laughs> you said that as a joke, but like, you know somewhere in there he believes that. That's kind of weird. <laughs> like, hmm. I don't yeah. know. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, different stuff. But we need to be loving and gracious, for sure, because they have been deceived. And they are true individuals um, that can be hard. Or I guess it can be easy to to look past that and just to see people as um, I don't know I guess just a number that are a part of this group but this group is made up of individuals who are destined for an eternity somewhere either with God in heaven or in hell uh, under the wrath of God so should draw us to to love all right let's look at uh, Good church, and talk about qualities of what makes up a true biblical local church. Uh, So, these are different qualities of different churches, um, different organizations, I guess. So, this church would answer by saying that uh, church is made up by a diverse society, one faith, sacraments as means of holiness, and governed by a pope. Which organization would that be? All right. Faithful people preaching sacraments under a king or a queen. It one that one thing that the one king made. So oh, yeah. the Church of England. <laughs> that one king? The what? Church of England? Really, what was king king was Henry VIII. Uh, yeah. yeah, and we'll get the answers here in a second. But uh, this next one, the elect <laughs> preaching sacraments and discipline in government. All right, and then this last one: uh, the elect worship love, and the Great Commission. So, what'd you say, Christian? Christian, yeah. All right. <laughs> like, I like that one, I right? Like D. yeah, I like D. <laughs> uh, What's wrong with C? Is there anything wrong with C? Well,
1: it depends on the definition. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get some some answers to what these are. So. Yes, first one's Uh-oh. Catholic. Second one, you're right, uh, Church of England or Anglican or Episcopalian. Right. Um, and then the third one, the elect preaching, sacraments, discipline, and government. That's uh, reformed understanding. And then, yeah, frames systematic theology outlines uh, the last one that everybody liked. Right, oh, that's a Christian for sure, right? The elect, uh, worship, love, and the Great Commission. Is he Christian? What's that? Is that Christian? Is what Christian? The, 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 the last one? Yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't think that
2: any other religions um, that call themselves Christian use that term "the elect." Outside of the Reformed. Uh, no, no. I mean, outside of Reformed. Well, Christians. I and mean Christians in general will use that term "the elect" because it's in Scripture, uh-huh. right? But
0: other religions have their own term for that. But no,
2: no. That. But that's my point. Is. None of them take that word from the Bible and say, "We are the elect." They will say it, they will use other words, but the reason is because that's so yeah, it's all in God you see what I'm saying? yeah, yeah, because are much more man-centered yeah, exactly so
0: yeah, yeah, I don't know I'm not aware of any I'm sure that there might be some yeah, uh, yeah the, right. the focus is certainly more on God in that that term talking about the fact that he has chosen us that we are his not because of anything we've done that's the uh, the earmark for all false religions is It's man trying to work their way to God um, s- salvation by some sort of faith or merit. Alright, the local church exists for a variety of reasons, and it may be impossible to create an accurate, comprehensive list of them. Um, That would be pretty rough. That said, there are some attributes that a church must possess in order to rightly be classified as a church. Marks of a local church include, but are not limited to, fellowship, I think you guys have an outline. Everybody get an outline? Yes sir. Alright, so fellowship, ordinances. And the ordinances that we recognize are baptism and the Lord's table. We'll be talking about that a little bit later today. The Word, prayer, <coughs> service, equipping, self-governance. Oh, I'll stop there. Uh, we looked at a, a similar list at the end of last week. And I think equipping would fall under uh, discipleship and discipline. Um, I think there was another word that we tied in there, but yes, yeah, So those are some of the marks of a local church. Not all of them. <clears throat> um, I don't know how long ago it was, but Mark Dever came out with a pretty um, big book that made its way through Christianity called the. It was called Nine Marks of a Local Church, and he was careful not to call it the Nine Marks of a Local Church because he didn't want to just limit it and say this is what makes up a church because it's widely recognized that. Um, you could pick nine other marks that would be just as relevant. Maybe not just as relevant, but it is a good book. So if you need some reading to do next month or so, pick that book up. All right, let's turn back to Acts 2. We spent some time here last week. We'll just go through and quickly read through it again. Acts two forty-two 42 through 47. Will somebody grab that, please? Okay. <coughs>
2: They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their
0: number day by day of those who were being saved. All right, perfect. And remind me in the scope of church history, when is this taking place? Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the birth of the church, the universal church. Right. So this is talking about how the the very first generation of Christians uh, went about their business of church. So the four marks of this church from verse 42 are ministry of the word, fellowship, communion, and prayer. We had some discussion last week on communion. I didn't spend any more time looking into that. Did any of you guys? Okay. So that's what we got. Ministry of the word, fellowship, communion, and prayer. MacArthur Mayhew in Biblical Doctrine says that as illustrated by the Jerusalem church in Acts 2... God uses various means to bring blessing, strength, and faith to cultivate spiritual growth in the lives of His people. So, those four different marks, um, the breaking of bread, fellowship, uh, ministry of the Word, and prayer were uh, the way that God brought about this um, cultivation and sanctification within His people. John Frame Says about this passage, that they shared their hearts, they shared their souls, they shared their property. That is a kind of fellowship that we rarely see in the church today. How sad, right? Uh, But it is simply an expression of the love that Jesus taught us. He told us to love one another as He loved us. That means being ready to lay down your life for another Christian. That's that's good. Um, In our men's class, we're reading through Jeremy's book um, you're the husband. And he brings out the point. He says that very often men will say about their wives, yeah, I'm, I'd do anything for my wife. I'm willing to die for my wife. And I mean, that's true. Of, like any good husband would say that, right? But if that's true, then he should be willing to do anything and everything up to that, not just the the extreme. And the same would go for the church. If we're really willing to lay down our life for another Christian, which I think we would at least say in word, but words are cheap, right? And we should be willing to do other things for um, our wife in that example, or for a Christian um, who is hurting, who just needs uh, a shoulder to cry on, somebody to talk to who needs help with rent or babysitting, they need somebody to have a meal with on Thursday night all these things that we just don't really think about but we say almost flippantly "Well, oh, I'd be willing to to die for that person I'd do anything for uh, somebody who's in my local church but if we really would then that should include other else. lesser things
3: except give up my golf game and fishing you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, I'll give
0: Many don't have a golf game. <laughs> <laughs> they can not my golf game, for sure. <laughs> I know, my mini game game's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that that's true, I right? think that oftentimes we don't really realize that even just being at church, our, our presence here, it, it's weighty. It, it means something. Um, I appreciate seeing your guys' faces on Sunday and throughout the week, and when I don't, it, it has an effect, right? Um, we are a body, and if one member of the body's hurting, then the rest of us suffer as well. So... We need to realize that we are, even just by being at church, we are serving and loving one another. And sometimes that means that we do miss out on a football game or a golf game or whatever. But how petty is that?
1: We would all say we are willing to die for somebody, and maybe even we would. But that's a once-and-done thing. The mm-hmm. part that's the easy thing. Huh? Every day. Was that is easy. To yeah. Yep.
0: Amen. All right, speaking about fellowship, we'll dig into this word, this aspect of the local church a little bit. In the context of church fellowship, or koinonia, is always in reference to God's people, to the elect. And so that's, that's important. You guys hammered on that right away when I asked, well, what makes up a church? And I said, what if I just grab my neighbors? He says, well, are they Christian? That's, that's good. Um, because not a lot of people have that mindset. People think, oh, we just come to this building, and it doesn't matter who comes in. Uh, We can be a a congregation of believers and unbelievers alike. And that is really the the predominant mindset in our world today that that aspect of um, koinonia, that fellowship amongst God's people, amongst the elect, isn't necessary. This is a very important point. If the gathering of believers is a vital mark of the church, that means that a gathering of unregenerate people cannot rightly be considered a church. That's just some kind of community club, right? Or some gathering, it's a group of people, but it can't be called a church, which again is why the Universalist Unitarian organization shouldn't be understood as a church because it's just everybody that believes whatever they want gathering together in a building and they're breaking some kind of bread together, um, but it's not something that I would ever consider a church.
1: Well, the point is, the word is just a gathering, sort of, I mean, so it's okay to use that, but you need to just always preface it with God's church. It's Jesus' church, Yeah. because he said, he has the, his own specific gathering. Mm-hmm. Gatherings all over everywhere, but... He, oh, we has must be marked by him if
0: we're house his. House. Yes. It has to be marked by him. Uh-huh. Yep, yep. Yeah. It's just too hard to say all of it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> You're here to do it, Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> and on that note, uh, uh, a year or two ago or whenever... Um, the Mormon Church said, we don't want to be called Mormon anymore, but we are the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, And they said, they asked that people not even uh, minimize that by calling them LDS or Mormons. They said, well you can call us the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the Church. And I refuse to call them the Church because that is exclusive and it is referencing them as um, a, a Church, which again could be wrongly understood as being Christ's church. Um, so, Latter-day Saint, I will cave and call them that, but the church is not something that I'm willing to do, and I would not counsel other people to do. because so I think it definitely gives off the the wrong idea, and uh, intentionally so. I think that was very calculated um, summarization that they have allowed for.
1: Oh yes, and she said they've changed a the lot. In my history, I wasn't raised in it, but I've lived with it now for close close to 50 years. And that that change, my brother-in-law, he he never did like the idea of of, of the LDS Church wanting to be associated with historical Christianity because Uh they were different. Mm-hmm. That was their whole thing for the 150 yeah. years. But with, um, I with, um, can see, I can't remember his name, Gordon B. Heatley, uh-huh. he really started the big push that we're all uh-huh. one, we're all the same. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, um, and they don't care what they believe. I have not met an LDS person yet in my 50 years that believes everything that they have taught. And of course, they Deliberately change what
2: they teach too. Because they don't believe what because Brigham un- Young said, but it's unpopular. That's that's I mean, the whole that's point. When they make that's, they that's when they switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, exactly. just okay. like just like in what was it, seventy six? Seventy six when they changed mm-hmm. for black people and. But it was was but yes, mean, so that was an absolute well, I'm polygamy, right? Yes. The FLDS, the ones that, you know, when I, sorry, we're digressing, but the ones specifically that said <clears throat> polygamy was ordered by Joseph Smith. Uh-huh. It was, it was in the doctrines and the covenants. Uh-huh. Uh, it was ordered by it was, necessary for salvation. it was necessary and you were anathema you were condemned if you didn't practice it uh-huh. it's not like it's unclear it's very clear but that's that's the point is that this whole ecumenical ideal is um, it's it's within the christian church also particularly particularly in the more liberal uh aspects that I don't know if you can even call them Christian at all, seemingly. Yeah. Um but also it's it's societal. This is American society. Mm-hmm. You know, you do you, just like mm-hmm. my kids say. You do you. This is you wanna do that. <laughs> you know you said that. No, maybe not. Yet. Hopefully anyway. <laughs> on, on a jest. On a said it for sure. <laughs> But but the point the point is is that um, it's it's actually really easy when you're speaking to somebody who holds to those views because you just stop and you say okay so you believe that this person can believe X and this person can believe Y that is completely opposite and they're both right yes that makes no sense whatsoever. And like and you said,
0: that's shaped by society at that's large. That's right. It's infiltrated that's right. these and different faiths. Jesus faith Christ products. said that he is the way, the truth, and the light, uh-huh. and that no one else
2: comes to God the Father except through him.
1: Uh-huh.
2: That.
0: That's why these marks of a local church are not shifting. They shouldn't be shifting. They shouldn't be changing. They should be definitive so that um, we can be known by something that is, is absolute. Right? Again, Jesus said, uh, Heaven and Earth are going to pass away. My words will never pass away. And to take and to change those as others in a vast swath of other faiths and religions have done is um, inconsistent and not a mark of of God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. Um, He is the Great I Am. Right? The Alpha and Omega. Yeah? Yeah.
3: The Mormons have a problem because they want to be recognized. They, They want to be call the mainstream Christians, yet they set themselves apart by saying they are their only true church. Mm-hmm. So, when they start calling themselves Christians I have to ask them so you recognize the other churches as Christian churches.
0: And back in the day they were a lot more upfront, and Definitely. I would say honest about that. And Joseph Smith said, well every other church is an abomination. Right. They are a bunch of devils and they are untrue. And while that seems harsh to our, our current culture's ears, I, I appreciate that honesty to be upfront about it instead of to uh, hide it and to case but it in niceties. They want
3: Christian, but they don't want to be associated with other Christian churches. And
0: Sometimes they do. It.
3: Well, they but, act like it, but it yeah. I've never met one that I'll say, so you're okay with Southern Baptists. They yeah. recognize them as a true church.
2: Oh, no, we're their only true church. Yep. Right. <laughs> That's, and that one's, I've asked that question yeah. multiple times, and they're always, when you start saying, oh, well, you're Christian, I'm Christian, so I can continue being Southern Baptist or non-denominational, they're like, well, not exactly. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, that so, goes back
0: to my apologetic method of, of drawing out those inconsistencies and helping them to realize that where they're standing is not, solid ground. It's shifting sand and they need to repent and um, realize that um, they're not based in truth. Britt has something to say. No, I, I
3: was just
2: thinking it
1: was
0: funny
1: because he said that and there's a primary song about, that, about being on the solid ground. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So it was ironic and I was just smiling <laughs> at the call. <coffee>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 6. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 6, and let's look at verses 11 through 18. <laughs> you know I love you, babe. Can you sing that song for us as well? I don't know that song. Why don't you sing it? How does it go? What are some of the words? Just say them. You don't have to sing them if you don't want. No. <laughs> Which one was it? I don't know, they sing a primary song but probably Christian churches sing, too, about being on the Oh, solid, ground. Being on the solid ground. No, it's Christ a solid rock I stacked. I was going to say the other Christian ones. It's like a little kid Shifting song. Sand? It talks
3: Shifting about sand. how one man
0: built his house upon, a wise man built his house upon the rock. Oh, yeah. A wise man built, yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, they stole that from us. We took it from Scripture. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, yeah, I remember seeking it. All right. 2 <laughs> Corinthians 6, starting in verse yes, 11. Yes, indeed. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is opened wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in a like exchange, I speak as to children, open wide to us also. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what (coughs) agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Is Belial another name for Satan? Yes. Yeah, it's um, a false God. Mm. Yeah. All right. um, what kind of separation is the Holy Spirit advocating here?
1: Relational.
0: Separation. All right, between who? Believers and unbelievers. Okay, and who is he writing to? The Corinthians. All right, to the <laughs> Corinthian believers. Yeah. So, yes, there has to be that separation, that acknowledgement, which again, is kind of going back to um, being spiritual fruit inspectors, right? Uh, we don't want to play the role of the Holy Spirit, but to a certain degree, we have to uh, ask ourselves, is this person in Christ? Because there are people, Mormon Church, for example, who say, yes, I am part of the church. I am in Christ. And so we examine not only their their doctrine, which is most important, but um, to some degree, we want to see, well, is their lifestyle matching up with what they're preaching? Because every tree will bear good fruit, um, although we have to be careful not to take that too far, because I can very easily be done. All right, let's check out these references. Will somebody grab Deuteronomy 22.10? Who's got that one? Anybody? Okay, all right. Um and then I'll get first Corinthians five nine through thirteen. All right, Deuteronomy twenty two ten. Sorry.
1: You shall not plough with an ox and a donkey together. Yes.
0: What is uh, are we the <laughs> ox? <laughs> <laughs> If those are our choices. I'm the donkey, dude. I can <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. What would be... So, in the other class, they're going through a, a hermeneutic series right now, and they're talking about the four steps of biblical hermeneutics, or they did last week, and they're continuing it in this week. And so, they're talking about how we should be observing the text first, um, and then interpreting the text, and then principalizing the text, which is especially important in the Old Testament, and then applying the text. So, how would we principalize that verse that talks about uh, plowing with an ox and a donkey together, what would be the principle that we would want to draw out of that? Because I doubt that any of us are going to be tempted in our lifetime to plow with an ox and a donkey together, right? <laughs> but that doesn't mean that verse is irrelevant to us. We can take the principle and we can apply it to our lives. What would be the the principle that we would draw out? The
1: principle is there are vastly different critters Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so... The, the, the ox sure. is going to be a lot more stronger than the donkey, right? A yeah. lot more stronger. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they're going to be going around in a circle, right? Because he's going to be pushing the, the ox. If they're yoked together, uh, which is the, the practice to put them together, then they're not going to go in a straight line like the, the farmer desires. Well, my understanding
2: as an observer and as having heard this from people who farm have both yeah. of these animals. You're not a farm boy. I'm not a farm boy. The oxen are supposedly more um, malleable or guidable, I guess. The donkeys sort of have their own opinion thing about things and don't necessarily want to go with it. Uh-huh. So Yeah, so. and they are an oxen is huge compared to a donkey. I'm not talking about a mule, I'm talking about a donkey a little yeah. you know,
0: critter. Alright, so Taking that principle um, and applying it to this concept, I guess, of fellowship and to our lives in general, how could we principalize and apply that? Well,
1: they're not going to be going in the same direction. They're not Yeah, they don't have the same purpose and they don't have the same capacities. Every, everything is different.
0: Okay, so it's, moving on from ox and donkeys, but using that principle and applying it to the church, right? And to a, a believer who is guided by the words of Christ, who recognizes that it's in Him that we have our that we live and move and have our being, and uh, we look to His words for how we are to live our lives. If we are bound together with an unbeliever, then we're going to be going in circles, right? We're not going to be going down a straight path as we are intended to be doing. Yes. So.
2: Even in even in a biblical marriage, where you and your spouse are one, <clears throat> if, you guys, if you guys if you picture that you're in a rowboat going up a stream, right? If if one of you has one oar and one of you has the other oar, and you guys are not pulling in the same direction, not only are you going to spin in circles, but you're going to go in the direction that the water is taking you. Uh-huh. As a metaphor analogy, whatever word we're trying to use, whatever it is. But it's not just that you don't go upstream. It's that you go with whatever direction the culture is going Mm -hmm. as a whole. Uh So it's not just that you struggle to draw closer to God and to be blessed in fellowship with other believers. It's that you're constantly fighting with
0: the one that's supposed to be with you 100%, Yeah. focused on Christ. And we're never stagnant. We're either progressing or decreasing, right? That's right. Um, so that's a good good illustration. actually, well, what you're
3: saying, you end up going with the flow. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. By default. By default. Yeah. yeah. That's,
0: good. that's true. All right. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13 says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean at all with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a violer or a drunkard or a swindler not even to eat with such a one. For such or for what have I to do with Judging outsiders. Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from amongst yourselves. So again, same principle we need to judge based on their doctrine and their fruit within the church, right? All right, in what ways do some churches today compromise on this issue? I think we've hit on that. adequately. All right. MacArthur's New Testament commentary says that believers and unbelievers are two different breeds and cannot work together in the spiritual realm. To infiltrate churches under the guise of tolerance and cooperation is one of Satan's most cunning ploys. He does not want to fight the church as much as he wants to join it. When he comes against the church, it grows stronger. When he joins with the church, it grows weaker." And we have to be careful with those relative terms, stronger and weaker, um, because from our perspective a church could grow really strong numerically or financially. Um, look at Joel Osing's church and you think, oh man, um, if when Satan comes against a church it grows stronger, then that church must really be under attack by Satan, right? But I don't think that's the case at all. I think Satan is well within the uh, interiors of that church and he is happy with what's going on there <laughs> and from outward from any outward uh, perception I guess it seems like it's doing really well but spiritually speaking it certainly has grown weaker
3: keeping people from the real
0: yeah. gospel yeah he's masquerading as an angel of light yep. he's a deceiver he is cunning and um, he's a, a liar the father of lies Andy. I was watching a
2: um, like a documentary on Amazon Prime and it had Joel Osteen on it right? and it was, it was basically the story of Mary and, and Joseph and you know, how Mary was down with child from the Holy Spirit uh-huh. anyway it was you know it, it sounded right on Right. It really did. And then later, so Gabriel appears to Mary and he says, so Mary, if you accept this child will be, you know, will be the savior of his people. I'm like going, if if you
0: accept, whoa, 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 time out. Wait, what? Yeah. Right. And again, Satan is crafty and that's how he operates. That and that's majority truth.
2: You don't have to be that far off of true north for over time to, you miss it, miss it completely. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, yeah, it's just that grain
0: of, of untruth. And that's mm-hmm. all it takes. Yeah, we recently got a, a telescope, we're doing astronomy with the kids. And if you're off by just a little bit, those stars that are yes. light yeah, years away, are they're, are they? they're, yeah, you're not gonna <laughs> find them in the view of your telescope. Uh, you have to be precise <laughs> to be able to see that tiny, from our perspective, little star, right? And you're off by just a a fraction of a degree, and you're thousands of miles away um, in what you're hoping to be looking at at the end point. All right. Understanding the principle of fellowship instructs your thinking as it pertains to the seeker-sensitive movement. Again, Joel Osteen, right? Perfect example. Um, These word-of-faith movements that you, you name it, claim it. Be careful what you say. If you say Um, I'm I'm not feeling good, then you could invite Satan into your life by by your words, and your words have power over how you feel. Um, All these things um, are really detrimental to your faith, to your understanding of who God is and the truth of Scripture. And so fellowshipping um, with those who are guided by the truth of Scripture and committed to submitting to God's word and scripture is is vital. All right, if fellowship isn't reserved for God's people together only, then unbelievers can be considered members of the body. This issue comes up most in our philosophy of evangelism. If outreach is a mark of the church, then we should be pragmatic as possible to get all in. So if that's the only mark of the church that we want to um, evangelize then we would be doing whatever we can to get anybody in through the doors. Um, But we have to temper that. However, if evangelism is not a mark of the church but rather fellowship is, um, that probably should say the mark of the church right? Um, if we are excluding evangelism for fellowship then we should not buy whatever pragmatism is selling this week. So we have to recognize that the two really should be in conjunction with one another. That Yes, we should be outreaching and evangelizing, um, but we should be doing it in a way that's consistent and submissive to how Scripture tells us to do it. Not to promise people new Xboxes if they come to church. And then get everybody into this church, put on a show to keep people happy and entertained, to not preach and teach on sin and hell and uh, the difference between men and women and um, heterosexual homosexual these things that our culture doesn't want to hear So that we can get more people in the church because that's not our ultimate goal. That's not the desired end um, We should be doing both in conjunction with one another So how should we biblically consider uh, we're not gonna look at that <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a story from the purpose-driven church, which um Rick Warren really had this whole movement in mind, and he sold these books and uh, influenced a bunch of people to try to get people to come in, um, looking at his of the movement. His uh, yeah. You can probably take it back tiny, a little bit farther. A little further, but that's yeah. a, a that's where it became really popular. Yes, um, and when Brittany and I were looking at coming here, we were also looking at going to go into a different church um, with some friends of ours. And we, we had gone to school with them. We got on some kind of Skype or um, know, some video chat with them. And we were talking through their, their philosophy and their desires, what they were wanting to do in their church. And they said, well, we're really wanting to build a church for the unchurched. And it was right then that we were like, OK, well, we're not going. And obviously, I called them out and told them why I didn't agree with their philosophy. Um, but that is a, a pretty big philosophy that people have that they're modeling their churches on. We want to church the unchurched. Well, we can evangelize and we can um, share our faith with the unchurched. But the church should be made up of the body of Christ, right?
3: Yes, yeah, that's, that's a big deal today, is, uh, especially United Methodist. Is the one that's come to my mind. Uh-huh. There's a big move to be inclusive. Yeah. We want to include everybody. You know. Well, I, that's
0: a. It sounds good
1: uh,
3: on it the surface. good, but. No, that that doesn't mean you bring in people as members who have different doctrines. You don't change your doctrines.
0: Or your approach, even.
3: Uh, Yeah. It's nice. You know, I mean, and and we forget that as Christians. If a person is a sinner, I don't care if it's LGBT or whatever the, the doctrine is, I would invite them to come sit in our worship service.
0: But we're not going to change our service. I would never
3: vote for them to become a member unless we saw a change or repentance Mm -hmm. in their life. Uh, And we should be careful how we fellowship with them. And by that, fellowship is really marked by what we do outside the church, I think. We come here to worship. And, yeah, we have dinners and fellowship. But our fellowship shouldn't be with each other all week long. You know, I uh, I got I, I've offended some of my good friends because I tell them your best friend ought to be the persons you can go to church with. I had a lot of oh my best friend he goes to this church over here over there. I'm like
0: your yeah. best
1: friend ought to be the people you
0: can go to church with. Yeah, for sure. And because uh, they're going to be the biggest influence on your life, and you're going to be the biggest influence on their life. Well, and I. I'm quoting somebody, I don't know who it is. But
2: but basically they said, the message that you evangelize with Uh is the message, is the... What you win them with is what you win them to? What you win them with is what you win them Uh to. So if we're sitting here and... I mean, for years, I love apologetics. Love it. Classic apologetics. I've got probably 20 books on it that that I've read, actually read, and... It's it's fascinating because within the context of believers, within the body, apologetics is a beautiful thing. It really is because it 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 it, strengthens your faith. Strengthens your faith. That's right. Truth. All truth is God's truth. Amen. Right. So, but you don't win people through apologetic arguments. You know, I've never not not once heard. An atheist or an unbeliever say to me, "Andy, you're brilliant. You're absolutely right. I acknowledge Christ as King. Uh, you know, pray with me." Never heard that. Never, because that's not what we're. Because you're a donkey. You're not it, brilliant. That's right? right. I'm a donkey. I'm not brilliant. I, that's absolutely true.
0: But but the point is, God must open their eyes. God must open their eyes.
2: They can be convinced with arguments of whatever
0: brilliance. They can be convinced the other way. They can be convinced out of the kingdom of God. That is not the gospel. That's not a a Christian either. Alright, let's see if we can get through fellowship real quick before we wrap up. Uh, Within the context of Biblical fellowship, genuine worship takes place. This does not mean song time. Um, Worship isn't just limited to song time. Additionally, discipline and admonishment happens within the context of Biblical fellowship. Those are really important aspects, marks of a true church. Discipline and admonishment. um, That's part of discipleship like we talked about last week. If that's not happening, then you're not in a good local church. Any. Thoughts, questions on fellowship as we wrap up? I like
3: what you said about it's not the song service. Yes. I went to a seminar, a training seminar. I had all these classes and one was on music. I was, because I was a music leader at the time, I went to the music class. <laughs> and the guy's, guy made the comment that you guys have to know that that 10 or 15 minutes of music is the only worship these people get all
0: week. It better not be, not if they're sure. believers. Is, right? So huh. I kind of blew up. Good. And rightly so. I yeah, We should I be worshiping kicked, all the time. I really got
3: kicked out of the class. Wow. I said, you don't know what worship is. <laughs>
0: and you're not one to, to blow up, even when you... <laughs> You are disagreeable. Yeah, you're really, nice you're really you're respectful about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> get kicked out of class. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a, a good you, point to disagree I you,
3: on. I try teaching people to worship through giving. Try teaching people to worship,
0: you know, through, yeah.
3: through what they do every day. I said that's true worship. Amen. Not singing. Mm-hmm. Singing is praise, and it's a form of worship. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a form of.
0: Yeah. And we don't want that mindset here. And so to dispel that, we don't put worship time in the bulletin or on the website because we changed that's singing time.
3: We changed our world. We had worship through giving, worship through preaching, worship
0: and singing, worship, <laughs> everything. We Go home and worship. We'll see you next week when we begin. <laughs> yep. Good. All right. Will somebody pray for us? Okay. All right. Thanks,
2: Andrew. Lord God, thank you so much for uh, this time together. Thank you that we can look in your word and we can uh, see what the true standard is for what you call your church, Lord. The elect, the priesthood of all believers, those who are yours. Uh, Father, we just ask that uh, you would bless the remainder of today, that our fellowship would be sweet, that your spirit would continue to move and guide and uh, salt our, our words with uh, encouragement and love and, uh, as necessary, discipline and embellishment. Mm. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your Son and for your Spirit. In your name and prayer. Amen. Amen. Amen.